0: Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. We're going to jump right into the Word of God. Um, um, I promise I won't be long. I'll just be preaching three hours today, so I won't be too long. Won't be too long. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I came across this, and I tell you, it, it, it cracked me up. Top, th- top ten things that you will never hear Dad say. Top ten things that you'll never hear Dad say. Number ten. Well, how about that? I'm lost. Looks like we have to stop and ask for directions. You'll never hear Dad say that. You know, Pumpkin number nine. You know, Pumpkin. You're now that you're 13. You'll be ready for an unchaperoned car date. That won't that be fun? You just won't hear Dad say that. You won't. You won't hear your Dad say that. Number eight. I noticed that all your friends have a certain hostile attitude. I like that in a team. You won't hear Dad's say that. Number seven. Here's a credit card and the keys to my new car. Go crazy. Let me just say something. My daddy never said that, and I'm never saying that to my kids. Number six, what do you mean you want to play football? Figure skating Why? sounds good, doesn't it, son? Um, number five, your mother and I are going away for the weekend. You might want to consider throwing a party. You just won't hear dad say this. Number four, well, I don't know what's wrong with your car, Probably one of those doohickey thingies, you know, that makes it run or something. Just have it told to a mechanic and pay whatever he asks. You just won't hear daddy say this. Number three, no son of mine is going to live under, under this roof without a tattoo. Now quit your belly aching and let's get that ink right going on right now. Number two, why do you want to go and get a job? I make plenty of money for you to spend. No father is ever going to say that. And number one, this is this is the very top thing that you won't hear dads say. Uh, what do you, what do I want for my birthday? Ah, don't worry about that. It's not a big deal. You'll never hear dads say that. Today, um, there is this um, this urge to become what is known as a social influencer. And one of the top ways to become a social influencer, they say, is you have to um, do what they call go viral. Anybody ever heard of something going viral? If you heard of something going viral, well, it's, it's a fast way to get popular. In other words, technology has made The world, the entire world, our own little community, our own little neighborhood. A million views used to be a big deal, but now videos are getting hundreds of millions of views from, I mean, silly things like a dog that wants bacon, a dog that wants bacon, hundreds of millions of views, a sneezing panda. Now, actually, that's kind of funny. Um, uh, Susan Boyle singing on Americans Got Talent, the evolution of dance. And then, if anybody has ever seen this video on the internet, it, it's, it's Charlie Bit Me. Anybody ever seen that, that video of Charlie Bit Me? I mean, bi- almost 1 billion views about these two little kids and the older boy saying, Charlie Bit Me. I mean, it's just crazy. In Tim Elmore's book, The IY Generation, he says this One of the most amazing characteristics of this generation of young people today is that they don't need parents to get information any longer. Now, They may not need parents to get information any longer, but I will tell you this. They do need parents to get interpretation continued. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Alarming statistic. Listen to this. 50% of the planet is under the age of 25. 50% of planet planet Earth is under the age of 25 right now. Remember we used to have, I, I, I remember when my dad, And Mom bought our first set. It was Encyclopedia. No, 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 it wasn't Encyclopedia Britannica. It was Funk and Wagnalls. It was like the whole, the whole series of of Funk and Wagnalls. It was the dictionary and the encyclopedia set. There's no more need for those books anymore because everything is accessible on what we call the world wide. Would y'all help me preach this thing today? Cell phones were non-existent. You know what a cell phone was? It was go up to the gas station and and put 25 cents in in what was called a pay phone, and that's how you use the phone. That's how you communicate it back in the day. It's interesting to me because going viral, listen to me good, viral is not reality. Viral is not reality. They call it, or they used to call it your 15 minutes of fame. It's interesting. I like what Francis Schaeffer says. He's a a 1960s apologist, and he said there are four levels of fame. Listen to me good. Four levels of fame. Let me tell you what it is. Let's just use the name Cardi B, all right? Level one, who is Cardi B? Level two, is that Cardi B? Level three, that's Cardi B. Level four, who is Cardi B? (laughs) I mean, what once was relevant, when you give it time, it's no longer relevant. What once was a current, when you give it time, it's no longer current. Can I just tell you something today? It it doesn't matter what happens in time, fathers are still relevant today. Fathers are still current today. Parents are still needed today. And what I want to talk to you about, from. I want to talk from a subject uh, that was inspired when I was having a conversation not too long ago with Pastor Tim when I was down in Louisiana. And, 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 and this kind of came up, and I want to deal with this today on this Father's Day 2019. And that is, when it's real, it lasts. When it's real, it lasts. Can I just say something? The, often, the, the authentic has longevity the authentic has longevity with the cell phone it means that you have a camera literally everywhere everywhere and with social media it means that you have an audience at all times (laughs) there's an audience at all times I mean now people are just go posting on social media anybody up (laughs) anybody up No, nobody's up. I saw it, six, saw it six hours later. But it's amazing. There are some people who will chime in. I'm up. What's going on? And that's their way of communicating. The world now has become our neighborhood. The world has now become our own community. It's interesting that because before any of all this viral sensation was around, I think there was a viral moment that happened in Scripture. <laughs> I want to show you somebody who in the Bible went viral. In the Bible, this man went viral. And his name is Philip. And his story starts in Acts chapter 6 and goes big through Acts chapter 8. Go ahead and, you don't have to turn there, but I I just kind of want to just lay out some some points for you. As a matter of fact, you can go ahead and jump to Acts chapter 8, but I'm going to work my way to there. See, Philip was chosen by the Big 12. <laughs> he was chosen by the Big 12 and your peers. I mean, how does it feel to be chosen by the Big 12 and your peers to become, watch this, one of the first deacons in the Bible? Philip, first deacons in the Bible. Thank God for some of our deacons who are here, Deacon Mark Bryant and Deacon Ron Manley, whose God is touching his body, and Deacon Don Brewer. We thank God for these godly men. Deacon John Lumpkin and Deacon Rodney Larkin, who aren't here today, but we thank God for these godly men. I mean, but Philip, I'm sorry, no, no offense, Deacon Ron, no offense, Deacon Mark, Philip was the first. He trumped all you guys. He was the first, one of the first deacons in the Bible. I mean, how cool is that? That's what happens in chapter 6 of of the book of Acts. We can skip chapter 7 because that really belongs to Stephen. But then when you go to chapter 8, get ready for viral. Philip goes to Samaria, and in the midst of persecution and preaches, wins a city, signs and wonders begin to follow, multitudes begin to get saved. Look at verse 5 of Acts chapter 8. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Verse 6, the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Verse 7, check this out. For in the case of many who had an unclean spirit, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8, so there was much rejoicing in that city. Talk about going viral. Then in verse 9, here's where the story gets interesting. The occult leader gets saved. Did y'all miss that? I mean, the occult leader gets saved, Simon, and, and then Simon gets discipled by Philip. Watch this. Look at verse 13. It says, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So here we have it. First Deacon led an all city revival, seeing multitudes of people get saved, doing signs and wonders, leads to the Lord, the number one occult leader in all of that region, and begins to disciple that cult leader. Now, if you just keep going because we're not done yet. Remember, I said that we're going viral, right? Watch this. Then, it gets into the con- then he gets to have a conversation with an angel. Skip down to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, that this is a desert road. So he leaves the revival and goes to a desert road, talks to an Ethiopian eunuch who gets saved and goes back, and historians believe that this was the entrance of the gospel in Africa. He has a conversation with an angel. Angel says, "Go down to this dirty road." He has this. He has an experience and talks to this Ethiopian eunuch who gets saved, goes back to Africa, and the gospel begins to spread there in Africa. He baptizes him, and for his grand finale, watch this. For his grand finale, Philip. I'm talking about Philip, my 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 cousin. Philip Todd is in the room. I'm talking about your namesake. Listen to what he says. For for his grand finale, this is really good, y'all. For his grand finale, it's almost a little like uh, David Copperfield-ish. This is is like futuristic stuff. Here is our last look at him. He is witnessing to an Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch that will forever change the spiritual tone of Africa. He baptizes him, and then watch this. Then he is translated out. He vanishes. He disappears. Two men go into the water, and only one, the baptizee, comes out. What in the world is happening here? Let's Y'all don't take me serious, so let me just take you back to the Bible. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. Look at verse 38. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39. When they came up out the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch was, no longer saw him but went on his way rejoicing. This is what the Word of God is saying. I mean, can you imagine that? Being baptized. That's like Pastor Ken baptizing one of our uh, uh, candidates for baptism. And then when the candidate comes up out the water, Pastor Ken's no longer there. I mean, he just vanished. He's just gone. He's just gone. I mean, we no longer see Philip. Then it says in chapter 8, verse 40, and this is going to be the crux of of where we're going to head today. But Philip found himself. At Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities, watch this, until he came to Caesarea. When I say we don't see him, I mean we don't see him at all. Acts chapter 8, you see what Philip did, a viral Philip, famous Philip. Everybody who, 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 whose attention is on Philip, that Philip, leads a revival in Samaria. A whole city gets changed, signs and wonders. Town occult leader gets saved and discipled, talks to an angel, leads an Ethiopian eunuch to salvation, baptizes him, and influences Africa, and then vanishes. Do you know if that were to happen today, what type of marketing and publicity campaign would be going on around this man? I mean, they would have, they would be, they would be Facebook live in every step that he took. They would have Instagram stories. Hashtag Philip the Great. Hashtag mama, there goes that man, Philip. Philip. I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, this is amazing. What what we have to keep in context is this. The book of Acts, the entire book of Acts, listen to me good, is 32 years long. The whole book, 32 years long. It goes from 30 A.D. to 62 A.D. 15 minutes of fame, done. Then something happened. Something happens. Look at your neighbor and say, something happens. Acts chapter 6. Watch this. Acts chapter 6, 31 A.D. Alright? Philip is a deacon. (laughs) He gets consecrated as new member of the deacon board. First, inaugural member of the deacon board. In Acts chapter 21, Philip shows up again. Acts chapter 21, Philip shows up again. Philip vanishes for 28 years. He's no longer on the conference circuit scene. You don't see him on the flyers when you scroll up through your Instagram or Facebook feed. He's not going to be at Pastor John Gray's church and then at Stephen Furtick's church the next week and then he's going to the Potter's house to preach for T.D. Jakes. He, he, no more of that. You don't, you don't see him anywhere. He just, he, he almost vanishes. Watch this. For 28 years. Let's read that last verse of chapter 8. Because where was the last place we saw Philip? Huh? Come on, that's right. Yeah, that's not a true it's not your question. Sister Rhea. That's the last place that was recorded back in chapter 8 that we saw Philip. He said said he preached the gospel in all those cities until he got to Caesarea, and then we don't hear about him anymore. I think a lot of us, especially as men and women of God who who, who are greatly used by God, can take some good cues from Philip. And we're going to show some of these cues. But now go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. This is where we're going to kind of launch our Our time together. I promise I won't be long today. Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. And we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Acts chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. 28 years later. But remember, if it's real, it will last. Are y'all hearing me today? When it's real, it lasts. Can I tell you something? There is longevity in godliness. My grandfather, what was the exact number? He he pastored for sixty I lost count after sixty-five. Sixty-five years he pastored. For sixty Five years. I was married for seventy. When it's authentic, it has longevity. When it's real, it lasts. Yesterday, Courtney and I had the esteemed honor. We celebrated her parents, my my in-laws, at their fortieth wedding anniversary, and they renewed their vows. And I was privileged to stand there and officiate the renewal of the vows yesterday evening. When it's authentic, it has longevity. When it's real, it lasts. There is longevity in godliness. Acts chapter 21, verse 8. Listen to what it says. On the next day, we left and came to, uh uh-oh, are y'all reading your Bibles? On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea, Uh uh-oh, and entering the house of, ooh, look who's there, Philip the Evangelist. Who was one of the seven? Talking about the seven original deacons. <laughs> They're showing you, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about another Philip. I'm talking about the same Philip <laughs> that was washing tables <laughs> as the men of God gave themselves to the word of God. Hello, somebody. The, the same Philip, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. Acts 21, verse 9, this is where we're going to go. Now, this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetess. It's not right there. Acts chapter 6, let's not miss this, 31 A.D. Acts chapter 21, 59 A.D. We are reading about 28 years later, Philip. and We have an amazing man still. Why? Because if it's real, it will. It's going to be the backdrop of where we're going to be going. Just listen to me. Are, are, are y'all good out there? I promise I'm not going to be too much longer. Stats say that 1,500, 1,500 pastors leave the ministry a month in the United States. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry per month here in the U.S. That translates to 50 a day. That means by the time I'm done preaching this service, by the time I get done eating my chicken and ribs and my brunch for wherever they're going to take me today, because they're going to take me somewhere today. Let me just tell you something. The good thing about it, we ain't got to worry about no long lines like we did last month. We can walk right in, sit right down. Baby, let your hair hang down. Hello, somebody. Y'all are so silly over there. Carlos and Donna, we're going to talk about this after church. Because I know there's going to be some serious issues going on in y'all household. (laughs) Mine, too. (laughs) Fifty pastors are going to quit today. Fifty pastors are going to quit today. Fifty percent, watch this, don't make it to five years. I'm just approaching four. Can y'all help a brother out? I ain't trying to be in the statistics. Ninety percent, watch this, 90 percent who start in the ministry never retire in the ministry. Did Philip do it? Because we saw, when we get to chapter 21, it says, Philip the evangelist. <laughs> 28 years later, how can we learn from Philip? I think there are three moments, three DJ Khaled would say, this is a major key. Three keys that we can look at these these two verses and really kind of extract. Can I just help you with them? Let's talk about these three words. The three words that we're going to talk about is balance. Number two is current. And number three is legacy. Balance. No, no, No notes on the screen. Let me just tell you something. It was a rough week, but God is with me right now. Balance. You need to write this stuff down because I'm telling you, people that get to heaven that wrote notes down, uh, they get to go to the front of the line to get their mansion. So you want to write notes down. (laughs) Balance, current, and legacy. And with legacy, we're really going to talk about being deliberate. Balance. Here we go. Balances this. His home life is just as important as his church life. Scripture says, entering the house of Philip. (laughs) Philip is in Caesarea. Remember, remember Bible readers, who else is in the who, who else is in the city of Caesarea? When you go back to Acts chapter 10, there's a man named Cornelius. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, there was, a man, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. When Cornelius, this is interesting to me, because when Cornelius needs the gospel, the Holy Spirit gets Peter. Who's twenty miles away? He go get Peter. Who's twenty miles? He does not get Philip, who is living right there in the town. That's interesting to me. And what it showed me is, raising his family is just as important as Cornelius getting saved. raising his family was just as important as gentiles getting baptized in the holy ghost pastor tim talks about this often he says why, why pastoring is harder than being a ceo and you guys have heard him say this he says speaking he, he says he says he says you can have you can be a ceo and have, me- and have a messed- up marriage. You can be a CEO and mess up with your kids. You can be a CEO and have a messed up life. You can be a millionaire, an entrepreneur, a successful businessman and everything in your life falling apart and still have a job. That's what makes the ministry different, because in your, because your past, your personal life, your marriage and your children, if those things are messed up, you're out of a job. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if one of those things are messed up, I'm out of a job. That's why to see ministers that uh, get the same work week as a businessman is kind of skewed and off because he has to give charge to three priority areas of his life. And therefore, we need to take a rare hard look at the family time, ministry time, and marriage time. I just don't believe that you can be successful in this calling that God has called us to. Expecting a pastor to work six days a week. Take off Saturday, but really ain't taking off because we're finishing prepping for Sunday. (laughs) Let's just be honest about it. Thinking that schedules need to be flexible. More grace given to men and women of God. I love it that when Paul needed a home to go into, in Caesarea, he could go to Philip's. I love it that Philip wasn't some uh, uh, bitter, retired preacher, (laughs) burned out from the ministry. I got a lot of PK kids over here laughing over here. I can... I want to share a story with you. I've shared this story with you before, but I felt like today was just the appropriate moment to to share it. At the Olympic Games in Paris in 1920, the sport of canoe racing was added for the first time to the list of international competitions. Y'all know I love the Olympic Games. I can't wait to 2020. I really can't wait to 2024, because I plan on going to LA. And y'all going to help send me. No, I'm just messing with you <laughs> Just playing. I'll go on my own down. I'm just playing. That's a joke. That's a joke, Internet family. Don't, don't cut this out and put it all over. His church, he, his church sent him to the Olympics. No, I'm going to go myself. Me and Pastor Eli. We're going to go together. <laughs> the favorite team in the four-man canoe race was the United States team. One member of that team was a young man by the name of Bill Havens. As the time for the Olympics neared, it became clear that Bill's wife would give birth to their first child about the time that Bill would be competing in the Paris Games. In 1924, there were no jet airplanes from Paris to the United States. Only slow-moving, ocean-going ships. And so Bill found himself in a dilemma. Should he go to Paris and risk not being at his wife's side when their first child was born? Or should he withdraw from the team and remain behind? We're talking about the Olympic Games, y'all. Bill's wife insisted that he go to Paris. How many know that's a setup? I'm sorry, I I didn't mean that. But she insisted that he go. After all, he had been working toward this for many, many, many years. It was a culmination of a lifelong dream. Clearly, the decision was not easy for Bill to make. Finally, after much soul-searching, Bill decided to withdraw from the competition and remain behind with his wife so that he could be with her when their first child arrived. Bill considered, being at her side a a higher priority than going to Paris to fulfill a lifelong dream. To make a long story short, the United States four-man canoe team won that gold medal at the Paris Olympics. And Bill's wife was late in giving birth to her first child. In fact, she was so late I was supposed to say, how late was she? <laughs> y- 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 y'all miss out. You, you know, you got need to need to really go to comedy clubs. All right. <laughs> she was so late that Bill could have competed in the event and returned home in well enough time to be with her when she gave birth. People said, what a shame. But Bill said he had no regrets. After all, his commitment to his wife was more important then, and it still was now. The story of Bill Havens is a story of how one man paid a high price to fulfill a commitment to someone he loved. I kind of faced the same thing. I was not going to the Olympics, Sister Rachel, but... (laughs) If you couldn't tell, um. but recently I, I was asked to to speak at man, a pretty a pretty prominent event that was happening, and you know, you you know how it is. One thing kind of leads to another, and when there's a whole lot of people around, then you know, if you do well, you know, it may lead to other things. But and it was it was on a day it was on a Friday during the day, Pastor Ken during the day. It's it's cool. And so I looked at my calendar. Looked at my calendar. And on our family calendar that me, my mom, and Courtney, we all share together. And it it was right there that I'm to be going with my eight-year-old daughter to the Greenfield Village for her end of the school year field trip. I was especially kind of irritated when I thought I read Henry Ford Museum. (laughs) Indoors, (laughs) air conditioned. When she told me, no, 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 you're going to be outside and it's going to be hot. (laughs) I was very irritated. But that quickly went away because I remembered that my daughter was going to have her daddy there to be with her when a lot of the other kids would have, you know, and I thought I had a way out, because especially when Courtney came home, she's like, well, you know, Mrs. Martin said that they got way too many chaperones. I'm like, hey! Cool! But way too many chaperones didn't mean a thing to Kaylin. She wanted her daddy there. And even though this would have been a big Big platform, big opportunity. I declined. Why? Because I needed to be with my little girl. <laughs> Kaylin seems to often get in the way of big opportunities for me. Um, <laughs> I remember one time. I think this was. I think this was. This was. I think this was last year. Last year. Last year I, I remember I remember this like it was yesterday. I I, I remember you know, I was going, is it last year or the year before? I but I was I went and I met with Pastor Marvin Wines, Bishop Marvin Wines, Perfecting Church. Y'all y'all know, man, I did that. I just love that guy. He 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 can sing, he can preach, he can dance, he's just triple threat, you know, just So I'm there and I'm meeting with him and it was like, you know, late afternoon meeting and we're talking, just he just pouring into me, just wisdom. I mean, just and it was just an amazing moment, and, and, and then he says, what are you doing tonight? I said, well, what's going on? You know, I, now I knew. Now, well, let me just say this. So he says, well, you know, I got this big concert down at somewhere for the benefit that was happening here locally, and we're getting ready to have rehearsal, and, you know, if you want to, you can sit in with us and sing and then come on and be a part of the concert on Saturday. I'm like... You mean, you mean to tell me that I have a moment to sing background with the Marvin L. Winans? Here was the issue. The day of that meeting was November 1st. What's November 1st? Kaylin's birthday. We had already planned to go to Red Robin that night to celebrate her birthday so she could throw back Freckle lemonades like they're going out of style. I looked at Bishop Wine and I said, as much as this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I got a daughter whose birthday is today and as i was getting ready to continue he said say no more you go be with your daughter because those moments even though they're going to happen every single year <laughs> let me just move on from that I, I don't know i don't know why i don't know why i i don't know why <laughs> the point that i'm making is home is just as important as the church Martin Luther wrote this in, in 1522. He says, God and the angels smile when a man changes a diaper. Oh, I'm preaching it right now. I thought I would have had about 15 more mamas to say amen. Thank you, Sister Katamu. I appreciate you. She's like, hey, I know that's right. Ten. I'm still going. <laughs> I forgot. I, I need to finish my uh, Olympic story. Hold on. So there is a sequel to the story of Bill Havens. The child eventually born to Bill and his wife was a boy whom they named Frank. Get this. 28 years later in 1952 Bill received a cablegram from Frank. It was sent from Finland, where the 1952 Olympics were being held. The cablegram read, and I quote it exactly. Dad, I won. I'm bringing home the gold medal. that you lost while you were waiting for me to be born. Frank Havens had just won the gold medal for the United States in the canoe racing event, a medal that his father had dreamed of winning but never did. Can I tell you something? There are things that you're going to be able to do do that your daddy never could do. And it's for you to begin to walk in it and to be obedient to God so that you can then open doors that your son may not be able and your daughter may not be able to do unless you're doing the things that God wants you to do. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we're talking about in terms of balance. Somebody say balance. Let me stop getting emotional. Let me give you word number two. Word number two is current. Somebody say current. current. Not just what God did, but what he's doing now. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. It says that they entered the house of Philip. Watch this. The evangelist. <laughs> stop with what you did. Stop telling all these glorious stories about how he used to be. Talk about what you're doing right now. Be current. Staying current is the job of every father and mother, every parent. You have to stay current. We heard all the stories from our parents. When I was your age, we walked in the snow, barefoot to school, uphill against the army fire. We eat eat your vegetables because kids are starving in China. You know, you know when I was your age, we didn't have Nintendo Switch. We had Game Boy, and I'm not talking about Nintendo's Game Boy. We had my mama told us, "Boy, boy you better go out there and, and play some games." How many of y'all remember those stories? Yeah. There's a danger in talking in past tense to our children. If anyone would have stories, if anybody would have stories, it would certainly be Philip. I mean, yeah, I was the first deacon. D1, they called me. I mean, Philip has stories. Samaria would never be the same without me. till so I wouldn't preach there. I mean, let me tell you about those sermons, is what Philip would say. Philip probably sitting around with his daughters all daughter around him. He said, Have I ever told you about that time I was running behind that Ethiopian chariot? I mean, those things were fast back in the day. Think about every time Philip went to church and, 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 and saw a baptism performed. Yeah, that was cool, but look at him. He's still there. That was great and all, but let me tell you what happened to me. (laughs) Yeah, we know, Dad. Two went down, one came up, yada, yada, yada. We know. We heard the story already. I love the phrase, Philip the Evangelist. Not... Not the deacon, not not the traveling Samaritan speaker on the speaking circuit hitting all the conference, not the chariot runner. Now he's the evangelist. That means, listen to me good, he is still doing what he was always chosen to do. That means Philip stayed. Current. Let your kids hear what's happening now. Let your kids hear how God is still working through you today. Let them know about the provisions in, in the house that God provided for them this week. We try to make it a point. Especially because I just refuse to raise entitled children. I refuse. So I'm constantly telling, listen, let me tell you something. We wouldn't have this. Do you know how we got this? Such and such that the church blessed us. Do you know why you're able to even wear that? You remember who gave you that dress? Sister so-and-so gave you that dress. Every little thing, every little thing. We, we have to make sure that we are, 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 are keeping our children abreast, not about what God did, but about, but, but about what God is doing right now. When you do this, you're teaching that God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. Can I get a witness in this house, about it? Don't make Christianity ancient. Don't make, stop making Christianity some ancient of days thing. When Jesus is alive and active right here, right now, present day. Tell them what God has done. You know, I find myself and I have to kind of be careful and, and, and watchful in times because, you know, now that I'm the pastor of this church, and this is a great church, man, this is an awesome church with an amazing legacy, amazing heritage, amazing history, and oftentimes I may find myself if I'm out preaching, I'll speak to the fact, yeah, the, we, we were uh, the, the church was uh, almost 30 years old, and, and, and this used to be a triple X theater, and, and, God, and I mean, that's good for what happened back then, but what about what God is doing today? What about what God is doing right now? I was blessed, me and Pastor Eli, I'll never forget this, when, when new ownership um, uh, um, uh, bought the strip club next door. And we're still praying for his salvation. I, I, I'm serious. I'm serious. Still praying for his salvation. I, I, I pray for him every single day. Every single day. I pray for him. Because God has given me a voice in his life. I remember me and Pastor, when he first came over, he tried to play the whole card of, we just want to be good neighbors. And, you know. I said, well, we gonna meet, but let me tell you something. And I, and, and, and I was very clear, listen, because I mean, and, and our deacons would tell you, our, our finance team, they offered us a lot of money to be able to use our parking lot on times that was not a conflict with our operation. But I said, absolutely not. But I remember when, we, when he came over and, 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 and we, were, we sat down and we were talking and, and I remember him asking, and, and I'm telling you, this is it, God honest truth. I remember asking, he's like, well, well, what can I do, Pastor? I was like, well, I was like, well first of all, what are you going to do with that billboard? I mean, remember that old billboard that was over there. You know, half-clad woman and this, that, and the other. I said, what are you going to do with that billboard? He's like, well, well we're going to redo it. I said, can you not put a naked lady up on there? He said, okay, pastor, okay. And you know what he did? When he got the creative done, he sent it to me. And said, is this okay, pastor? And I said, listen, I know your business and you got to run your, I said, that's fine. Thank you for, thank you for not having the first image that people see when they come into the city of Highland Park, a half-clad lady and talking about uh, hundreds of girls and three ugly ones. But let me just say something, that's what God is doing present day. He's given us a voice at the table to be able to influence the way this culture that's already tilted t- 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 and slanted, its already going a-, a-, a way that's contrary to-, to the way of the Lord, but he's given us a voice to be able to speak into those things and be able to direct those things. And I believe that God is going to do just what he promised to do, and we're going to see that strip club owner be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. We're going to see those dancers come into the house of God because I believe that they, that they that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the things of God. We have to begin talking about, yes, it's good to talk about what God did, but what is he doing today? (laughs) Tell it to your family. Let your kids know that he is God for them now. This is what Philip was doing. Balance, home, just as important as church life. Current, not only what God did, but what God's doing now. And number three, last one, deliberate legacy deliberate watch this good stuff does not come without work two words stand out in verse 9 and I'm and I'm and I'm done two words stand out philip's children Listen to what it says, virgins and prophetess. That's moral purity and calling. That type of stuff doesn't just happen by osmosis or by default requires work. Let me tell you something. I, I, I've been blessed. In my corporate career, I mean, and, and, and listen, listen, just put this in context of, of what I'm saying. I mean, I've managed millions of dollars in budgets, and I've, I've, I've oversaw hundreds of, of, of locations. Can I tell you something? Parenting is the hardest job that I've ever had. This. This is tough because it requires work every single day, every single day. I mean, you know, listen, remember, y'all, y'all know how it is in the gym, people hashtag it, no days off. Parenting, you don't even need a hashtag. You just know, you just always on. <laughs> I know he know. Moral purity, calling, it doesn't just happen. You don't just drift off into it. It takes deliberate. It takes intentionality. It takes hard work. My wife, Friday, we were at my niece's 16th birthday party, and at that birthday party, she led uh, her and her best friend through a chastity uh, 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 pledge. Many of you know my wife's story. She was a virgin to the day that we got married. And, 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 and she kept herself. And now she's able to pass that legacy on to our niece. We are able to teach her. She, she, she was able to stand up there and, and teach her and train her and tell her exactly how, how God helped her through. And that, and, and that the same God, let me tell you something, I know, I know what culture says. I know what they say out there. That, hey, they're going to do it anyway. Might as well just shore them up. No, 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 no. Tell you something, he's the same God yesterday, and he's the same God today. You don't have to lower your standard. Hello, somebody? Philip wasn't just touching widows in Acts chapter 6. Baptized an Ethiopian eunuchs in Acts chapter 8. He was influencing his daughters in Acts chapter 21. He was influencing his children. 28 years off the preaching circuit scene, but guess what? He was still ministering right there in his home. I'm serious about this. Why in the world would I counsel everybody else and my own household go to hell in a handbasket? The devil is a liar. They talk about this, and I read this in, 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 in relevant magazine. They talk about this. They, they call it the great evangelical recession. I don't know if you, you ever heard about this, Pastor Ken. The great evangelical recession. Listen to this. Startling numbers and stats, 18 to 29-year-olds, this is the demo that they studied, from four different research groups. I mean, Barna, McDowell, Lifeway, and UCLA all did this research. And this was, and this was their conclusion. Between 69 and 80 percent of our kids will leave church after they graduate high school. talking about the millennial generation and, 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 and the generation after that, Gen Zs. They're going to leave church after high school. Four out of five will disengage from the church after high school. That's high as 80%. That makes up about 3.7 million people of the church. That means two point six of them will leave, and of that 2.6, only 900,000 will return as a prodigal son or daughter. That means 1.7 leave and never come back. When you break that down to a daily statistic, that's 712 people a day. 712 young people a day are leaving the church after they leave high school and never returning. How does this happen? Because we're not being deliberate about the morality and the calling of our children. We have to be deliberate. We have to be intentional. It's not on accident. We must model it. We must pray for it. Interesting, the book of Acts is not called the book of truths. Because knowledge of the Bible does not guarantee application or action of the Bible verses. To know does not necessarily mean that you will do. If you don't like change, let me tell you something don't become a Christian. Because once you, begin, once you belong to Jesus, change is inevitable. me, Pastor Kent, Pastor Eli, Pastor Lisa, any of the pastors that, that are on our staff on, on, on our team, Pastor Kivik, Shiana, any of them, Pastor Carlos, any of them, none of us can change anybody in one service. Our children are going to model what they see in the home on a consistent basis. talk to you, men. It's much, easier to, it's much easier to become a father than it is it's much easier to become a father than to be one. Let me say it like that. And here's my prayer is that I remain intentional about influencing the life, the morality and the calling of my children. We make sure that we pray that prayer as Tim taught, taught us this back when we first met them, we hadn't even had children yet. I remember sitting in Mongolian barbecue, sitting with him and Cindy, and, and we were talking, and he said, man, we pray the same prayer of our children every single day. We may miss sometimes, but it's trying try to be as consistent as possible. And our children try to hear, we try to make sure our children hear this every single night. God, keep them pure until they get married. Prepare the right one for them. Years ago, and I'm closing. I know y'all hate hearing the preacher say that, but years ago, um, Arnold Palmer, he's a professional golfer. He played a series of, uh, you know, non-masters, I guess they call them exhibition ma- matches over in Saudi Arabia. When he was finished, the king was impressed with Palmer's expertise that he desired to give honor Palmer a gift. Palmer, a multimillionaire himself, in his own right, he kind of just deterred and says, you know what, it's not really necessary. I enjoyed meeting you and your people and playing in your country. The king indicated his sh- extreme displeasure, not being able to give the golf pro a gift. Palmer then wisely reconsidered because he knew that sometimes when you reject something from a person of that stature, it's almost an offense. So he just wisely reconsidered and said, well, you know what? How about just a golf club? A golf club would be a wonderful memento of my visit here. King was pleased. The following day, a messenger delivered a note to Arnold Palmer's hotel room. And what he delivered him was the title deed of a golf club. 36 holes, trees, lakes, buildings, the whole nine yards. The moral of the story is this. In the presence of a king, don't ask for small gifts. Go big. Parents, in the presence of a king, don't think, man, I want my child to stay pure until they're married. Don't think that that's too big an to ask. You're in the presence of a king. Go big. everybody stand thanks for tuning in to the revival tabernacle podcast wherever you may be listening from we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering unconditional love of Jesus Christ join us as we reach sinners raise believers and release leaders please Enjoy the message from the RT pulpit.